Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spider. So first off, thanks everybody that reached out after last episode. Not, a, I just want to make it very clear, not in a bad spot. I just felt like it was a good spot to kind of reminisce about how I got to where I got now and to explain to people why I do what I do because it's different than a lot of other folks. So uh, I figured this would be a great opportunity to kind of get it out there so that when somebody does inevitably ask these same types of questions again, I just go, hey, you know what? If you have a moment, take a listen to this podcast. This kind of explains where I'm coming from. So for example, somebody this week on YouTube asked, what well, basically demanded that I do, it was worded in a way that was like, they're telling me you need to do more live streams. And I'm like, I'm not a big fan of live streams. You know, our internet cuts out. Last time we tried to do one, our internet cut out. Like it's just, it's too stressful, not what I want to do. And then he continued to push, well, your fans would like it. So he's getting a link to that as far as my exclamation about, hey, if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. It's not what this is about. So today, as I mentioned last week, I think we're going to either talk about G Porteri or the enclosures. We're going to go in and talk about enclosures. I'm going to go through basically the majority of enclosures that I've used either recently or still use. I talk a lot about different things I use. I've talked a lot over the years about enclosures because I think, and I've already covered this in a podcast, so that's not what this podcast is going to be about. But the fact that there seem to be folks that, you know, you got the enclosure snobs, we'll call them that, the ones that think that if your spider isn't in something that costs more than the spider, then you're not doing a good job as a keeper. Then there's the other side, the thrifty folks that think that, because people are spending extra money on enclosures, that's a waste of money. You should get cheaper enclosures so you can get more spiders. And I lie somewhere in the middle. Like I see both sides of it, but I honestly don't think it's as cut and dry in that as that. Just to encapsulate, my theory is whatever enclosure you use should put the welfare of the spider first. And what I mean by that is, and I always use the example of somebody that's maybe keeping a Theraphosa species, and they get a 10-gallon aquarium, they put a mesh top on the top, they decorate the inside of it all nice and everything, but it's letting the the airflow in that is not ideal, it's going to evaporate more quickly, you're going to have a hard time keeping the substrate moist, obviously the mesh is a bad thing, but it looks pretty, and they'll be like, well, look it, you can see my spider, and then you'll see somebody who has it in maybe a large plastic bin that has deep, moist substrate that's been ventilated appropriately, which one of those is the better one? Well, in that situation, it would be that bin. It may not look as pretty, but it's better for the spider. And I think we've all had moments where we get a spider and either it's bigger than we thought it was going to be or smaller than we thought it was going to be, or we have an enclosure that's been sitting there that like, I'd really like to use this for something. And we kind of use it on a necessity, even though it may not be the best enclosure for it. I know I've done it before. Usually I catch on after a little while and go, this really isn't a good enclosure for the spider and I'll rehouse again. But we've all been there. But and then we've also had that situation where instead of going, is this the right enclosure for the spider? We ask, will this work? And anytime you find yourself using the words, will this work? It's probably not an appropriate enclosure. So you can just kind of put it aside there. I'll call myself out on this one. Way a way long time ago, when I was kind of starting to get heavy into the hobby, I had obviously been into snakes for a while. I had some old snake enclosures, and I had one of those. I think they're Neodosia, they're called. If anybody pictures these, they're like um, they're plastic enclosures, molded plastic enclosures with a sliding glass door, and the litter dam on them is incredibly low. You can put maybe an inch of substrate in it, and I was eyeing at the time, a female-sexed, female M. robustum. And I had read that they needed moist. I've read that they liked the burrow. And I was looking at this enclosure, and I'm like, hmm, will this enclosure work? So what I did was I took, I had a piece of siding from my house, extra siding, and I cut a strip, and I basically glued it in the front to make the litter dam slightly deeper, so maybe two and a half inches in the front. And then I stacked substrate in it, so it kind of angled up to the back. And I had this thing ready for the spider, and I think the spider sold out. 
And luckily, when the spider sold out, I was able to look at it again and go, this is not an appropriate enclosure. And I ended up putting that thing right back. I put it in the attic and never used it for a spider. Well, So I think we've all been there. And I think earlier on, you're not sure what makes a good enclosure. I think that's another thing. For a lot of this, part of the fun of the hobby is finding enclosures. Every time I post something up, I have people that give me links to stuff. And sometimes I'll go, hey... I'm going to check this out. This looks great. My buddy Charles has given me a couple things that are my go-tos as far as enclosures are concerned. He'd be like, I found this. It works great. And I checked it out. And I'm like, yes, it does work great. And I have other folks that will give me links to stuff. And I try it out. And it just, it's not my cup of tea. Now, does that mean it doesn't work? No. And I think that's one thing we always have to remember with enclosures, that even with appropriate enclosures, different strokes for different folks. Some people like things more than others. Some people like the cheaper ones. Some people like the more expensive ones. Some people like different Different types of cheaper ones, different types of expensive ones. There's so much out there, especially now with several folks purporting to make enclosures specifically for tarantulas. So we've got a lot of folks out there now that are kind of, and I think some do it better than others, that are looking at these spiders going, if I could create an ideal home for my tarantula, what would it look like? If I wanted an ideal home for my terrestrial, what would it look like? For my fossorial, for my arboreal, and I love that because there's more options than ever. When I first got my Grandma Stoller Porteri way back in the 90s, you know what everybody kept them in? The 10-gallon aquariums. You put a couple inches of probably inappropriate substrate. I've seen wood bark. I've seen marbles. I've seen rocks. I've seen, it was all kinds of garbage. And you'd have the wire mesh top and you'd put that poor spider in it and there it would sit until it died. And as time has gone on, I started with cheaper ones and then I started looking at some of the nice, at that point, the only premium one out there, and this is one we'll be covering today where the Jamie's enclosures was another place called Tarantula Enclosures, I think, that made very, very pricey ones, but a lot of them had the mesh wire vents that made them inappropriate. So you're spending 200 bucks for something that you're going to have to replace the vent on. I don't think that place is around anymore, but they, they made, they, the enclosures looked beautiful, but they weren't appropriate. And so there wasn't a lot out there. Now there's just so much between some of the reptile companies that are starting to recognize tarantulas are a big deal. And they're kind of showing that, hey, my enclosure was originally for reptiles. However, it could work for your spider. Or there's other ones that are just made for reptiles that work great for spiders. There's others that are made for reptiles that do not work great for spiders. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to go through, we're going to start off, I got them into three categories. We got cheap. We got the cheap ones. The ones aren't going to cost you much money whatsoever. We got the medium ones. These are the ones that are a little more fancy than say your you know off the shelf ones a lot of these are made just kind of generally speaking for small animals and small pets and they tend to be rather inexpensive and then we're going to get into the premium enclosures these are the ones that are going to cost a little bit of money you got to be prepared to shell out you know 50 60 100 some of these cases 200 bucks for these ones and we'll get into those as well now i'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about exact prices on these because i think with a lot of them especially the ones the mid-ground ones if you're a savvy amazon shopper what I do is I put these things in my cart and I wait for that day where they're like cheapest price in 30 months and then I put it and then I or 30 days and then I go ahead and buy it. So I get them a lot cheaper than usually what they retail for. So we'll talk a bit about that, but I will give a ballpark of what I've been spending on these. So to start off, we're going to talk about the cheap ones. We're going to start with sling enclosures for us with the cheap ones because I think this is like a hobby staple. Dram vials. These things have been used for years. This is what the breeders use to keep their slings in. This is what a lot of us use for our smaller slings. They are perfect for slings. I will call myself out on this again. When I first got into the hobby, I looked at dram vials. I was on arachnoboards and these people would 
hold up these little ugly dram vials and shine a flashlight and go, there's my spider in there. And I'm like, these are hideous. I didn't use them at first. I'll go into later on what I did use, but I did not like the looks of them. And at that point, I was, again, we talk about people that are just getting into the hobby. The aesthetics tend to be a bit more important for those folks. I wanted something that looked good on the shelf. So I didn't use dram vials for a while. Then I remember I got in a spot where somebody sent me a bunch of freebies and I was looking around the house and I didn't, I wasn't ready to accept all these freebies. So I had had a bunch of vials that people had used for shipping. I set up my spiders in there and it was like a revelation. Like, wow, these work great. It's so much easier to keep the correct moisture level. It's, I mean, I know folks will talk about cross ventilation. I don't find it with slings. It's more important for the majority of sling species. We're not talking about avicularia carabina versicolor here. For those species, you do want some kind of cross-ventilation. That's the safest way to do it. You don't want that thing getting too dank. But for a lot of sling species, a lot of slings will burrow early on. So the cross-ventilation isn't so much of a big deal, especially if you're opening that thing up a couple times a week to you know feed them and whatever. I, I find that it's more important that those sling enclosures hold in that moisture so they don't dry out too quickly. I get a lot of folks that will email freaking out because you know they I just fed it a week ago and the heat kicked on. I didn't realize it and the thing was completely dried out. My spider's in the death curl. That's a bigger threat to slings early on, the majority of sling species. So I do love the dram vials. They are cheap, although I've noticed... It used to be you could hop on Amazon and buy like 50 of them for a decent price. It's, it's sometimes difficult to find places that are going to sell them the size you want and not have to sell you like 100 or 1,000. So I always encourage folks, the way I got the majority of my dram vials, I did order some back when I was breeding some species. The majority of them I save from when spiders are shipped to me. Most people will ship tarantulas in the dram vials. My advice to you, take those dram vials, clean them out, save them, use them later on for slings. I have probably hundreds of dram vials around the house just from all the different slings I purchased over the years. And they come in very, very handy because the other thing about the pros of the dram vials, they're cheap. They come in many different sizes, including small ones for the tiny ones, and they're just very convenient. Cons, again, back to my original thought on them, they're not the prettiest thing to display your spiders in. And for species where you want some cross-ventilation, you want to make sure that the airflow is good. So, for example, the Caribbean Versicolor, Vicularia species, they're not great for cross-ventilation. It's kind of a uh, PIA, for lack of a better term. It's kind of a pain in the butt to add the cross-ventilation. You have to drill little holes in there. But Love dram vials. They work fantastically for slings, and I still use them today, and probably this is something that won't change. I will continue to use dram vials. They're especially convenient during the wintertime. I like in the wintertime where I put them into a larger plastic container, put some paper, moist paper towels on the bottom, and use that to make sure that things don't dry out too much in there because all those little vials will, will fit neatly in one of those plastic shoe boxes. And then you just miss the paper towels in there, make sure things don't get too dry. So that's very, very convenient. So dram vials, number one, super cheap ones. Another one, deli cups, hobby staple. Now, I use deli cups for a long time as well. As I look around my room, I have about 14, 15 of them still in play. I, I will continue to use them. I think they're great for larger slings. I do not put the teeny, teeny, tiny slings in unless we'll talk about the sizes you can use in a minute. But for the most part, I put teeny, teeny, tiny slings into the dram vials, but for larger slings over an inch or so, those I will put into deli cups. Now, deli cups are convenient because A, super cheap, super inexpensive, and they come in a myriad of sizes. The sizes that I would consider to be useful for tarantulas are 16 ounces, which are good for your normal you know, terrestrial that might do a little bit of burrowing, 20 ounce, which I love. They're good. I can use those for burrowing species, or I can use it for arboreal species. For the burrowing species, they're not so deep that the spider can get lost. 
32 ounce, again, for larger arboreals. They work great for larger fossorials. They can work as long as you don't load up too much dirt in there because, again, you don't want the spider to get lost in the bottom. And I've had that happen a few times with the 32-ounce deli cups. And then if, if for teeny tiny slings, the 5-ounce deli cups do work well. I've used them before. Do not use, I've moved away from using the 2.5-inch deli cups because they're just too small. They don't hold enough substrate. They dry out. The problem is that seal where the top goes on is not airtight. So I think even if you just carefully poke some holes around the end, the airflow in that is so much they dry out super quickly. So I wouldn't go, if you're using teeny tiny slings, 5-ounce works, would not use the 2.5-ounce. And I believe those 16, 20, and 32-ounce is around approximately 0.5 liters, 0.6 liters, and 1 liter. So pros of deli cups. Super inexpensive. You can get them anywhere. I knew folks would go into Walmart. I had somebody that said they'd go to someplace that had a salad bar, a stop and shop, or something, a local grocery store around here. And they said that when they went and purchased anything from there, they would double up and triple up the deli cups. So they'd get a free deli cup out of it and grab a couple of covers, and they didn't apparently care and stop the shop, whatever. But it's, they're very easy to get a hold of. That. Folks that approach restaurants and say, hey, can I buy a few of those off you? Or you can go online and usually find them again. When you find them, like much like the Dram Vials, you're going to be buying them in bulk. So you're going to buy a sleeve of them. But I know I bought a sleeve of 20-ounce ones, and I just finally used the last ones. They last me for a long time. Super convenient. That way, if something goes wrong... I have this thing where if anything ever passes away in an enclosure, I take it. It's like bad juju. I take it and I out of circulation. I usually throw it away or recycle it. So at least you'll have extra. So they're very cheap if you buy them in the sleeve. So you'll always have them on hand there. So many different sizes, inexpensive, stackable, easily modified. I think that's something that's always important to consider because I know I, it drives me nuts when people will come on to folks, you know, somebody will comment about something and say, Oh, I'm not, I'm just not good at the do it yourself stuff. I have a hard time with that. And people will make fun of them. And I get some of the stuff is very, very easy. But for some folks that don't have that in them or aren't very experienced at doing those kind of things, it can be tricky to read, hey, yeah, you need a drill. You need this kind of drill. You got this kind of bit. You got to, it's difficult for them. The good thing about the deli cups is you can use a thumbtack. I've used thumbtacks to punch holes in them. I've used a small drill bit if you got a drill to drill all the holes in. I've used a soldering iron. You just got to be careful not to make the holes too large so the sling can escape. Very, very easy to ventilate. Stackability, when you start getting into keeping a lot of slings, stackability becomes a big thing. To be able to have those enclosures, like I'm looking right now, most of mine are always stacked three high. I keep them on the highest shelf because it's one of the warmest shelves in the room. And I stack them three high, which helps with space management. So a lot to love with the deli cups. The cons, they don't look that great. And I think a lot of folks struggle with, I was lucky to find some very, very clear ones, but they're always various various degrees of milkiness, if that makes sense. I used to have some that were very, very clear and transparent, beautiful. And then the next batch I got were a little, they were still kind of clear, but there was a kind of waves through it, milkiness that kind of cut down the visibility a little bit. The ones I have now, the 20 ounce ones are really nice. I can see through them okay. So that's something, I, the first time, and I'll share this story, the first time I ever bought deli cups, I found the thick deli cups that they serve like food. And I'm like, oh, these will be great. They were about as milky as you could get to the point where it was. It made sterilite look crystal clear. Like I could not see into the deli cups. You'd open them up and realize the spider was right on top. They didn't work out very well for me. I did like the durability factor of them, but I ended up putting the majority of them in the recycle bins after I used them again. So deli cup, hobby staple, work great, amazing. So it, for cheap, and here's my take on slings. 
and I've said this before, for slings, the trick is to make sure whatever you got them in is appropriate for the sling above all. It doesn't matter. I know folks get a couple spiders. They want to show their friends. There's nothing worse. Like, hey, here's this ugly little pill bottle. There's a spider in there. You want to be able to show them off. I get it. And this is one of the reasons why I started with different enclosures. We'll get to in a minute. However, you, uh, my theory is there's plenty of time once that spider puts on size to put it into something that can show the spider off. So that's when I would start spending money for the premium enclosures. That's me personally, though. Some people don't want this. Some people want a beautiful enclosure right off the bat, and I get it. Just make sure the enclosure that you're choosing is appropriate for the spider. So now we've gone through cheap sling enclosures. Now we're going to move up to my bread and butter. I use these all the time. I love them. I think for anybody getting into the hobby that's just starting out, they are perfect because they can be altered easily. They come in a myriad of sizes. They're stacked. They got so much. I'm getting ahead of myself and giving my pros here, but Sterilite. I love Sterilite enclosures. I'm going to focus on a handful of the ones I still use here, but over the years I have used well, I went and counted them up well over a dozen different styles and sizes, and they all worked out for me at the time. The only reason I moved away from some of the things is I found things I like just a little bit better. So the ones I still use today, the ones I use for my larger slings and smaller juveniles, the ID latch, they're 7.5 inches by 5.5 inches by 6 inches high, or 19.4 centimeters by 14.3 centimeters by 15.2 centimeters. You guys will see these in the background. I think they're in the, I'm turning around looking. Nah, maybe they're not in the background. They're, a lot of them are behind me when I do my videos and stuff. These are uh, just amazing for larger slings. I started some larger Formictibus slings in them. You can use them for arboreals as well because they offer a decent amount of height. So if you have something you're looking at and going, ah, that 20 ounce looks a little small. I want something with a little more room that I can work. They work great for that. The other ones I use, the clear view latch 17 inch by 11 inch by 6.5 inches or 43.2 by 28.3 by 16.5. I love those for a adult terrestrial species. I just did a count. I currently have 30 of them with spiders inside. They offer a decent amount of depth, depth so that for spiders that aren't obviously fossorial, but for ones that might want to do a little digging, have a burrow, you can put enough substrate in there with cork bark hides, get strategic with it so they have a place to burrow in. I have the majority of my Formictibus species in those. I have a couple Panthabedia species in those. I have a couple Zenesta species in those. I have just, they're great for medium to large spiders. They offer a decent amount of floor space, the depth, they're stackable, they're easily ventilated, they are basically my bread and butter as far as holding the larger spiders before I get them into something that's pretty. Or for ones I have multiple specimens of the same species, I usually put one of them in something to show them off, and then the rest of them are in there, they do just fine, they act, they're calm in there, just, I love the enclosures, and they're super cheap, I think they run about $4 or so, so not a bad price at all, the other ones I've started using that are similar to these, Clearview Storage Box with Latch Lid 27 Quart, they run about 17 inches by 11.2 inches by 12.75 inches, or 43.2 by 28.5 by 32.4 centimeters, and that 12.75 inches is the height. So those work well for fossorial species. Fossorials are the trickiest thing, I think, to find appropriate enclosures for because there's not a lot, a lot out there for larger fossorial species. So I like these because they have, a, you can put a lot of substrate in there, nine inches of substrate, start them with a, a starter burrow and they go down there and they do their burrowing. You can also, I've used them for Pisolotheria species before, for Salmopia species, for arboreal species because they do offer a decent amount of height. 
I've successfully raised several Pisolotheria species in it, some Salmopia species. They work great. So Sterilite, and I'm just concentrating because these are the three that I have pretty much, the three Sterilite models that I have in circulation right now. The other one that I have is the Sterilite ID Latch, the larger one that's 15 and a quarter inches by 11 and a half inches wide by six inches in height or 38.7 centimeters by 29.2 by 15.2 centimeters. Those work well as well. I did the Austin Powers there on myself to introduce myself. Those work very well. They're similar in size to the Clearview latch, but they're not quite as secure and they're a bit smaller. They're a little wider, but a bit less deep. But those I have, I think I bought a box of like six of those or something like a carton of them. Those work very well as well. So any of those work great. Again, pros. They come in, Sterilite comes in just about every size you could dream of. They are super easy to modify. You can use a drill. You can use a soldering iron. Make sure if you use the soldering iron, you're outside. Make sure there's airflow. Make sure if you can have a respirator on because that stuff's terrible for you. They are super inexpensive, especially if you go online. Sometimes you can buy like a carton of them and they cost like it takes quite a few bucks off of the overall price of them, especially if you're somebody that's going to be using a lot of them. The carton's kind of the way to go and they're stackable. I have my bottom row is my terrestrial row in my room and I have them stacked too deep, which is very convenient for feeding. I have my table. I bring two out at a time, feed them, water them, take out boluses, all that, put them back in. Very, very easy to do. Cons. The big con everybody has about these is the milky plastic. I get more negative comments on videos where I use Sterilite enclosures than any of my other videos. I can't tell you how many folks will come on and go, why on earth would you put that beautiful spider in such a crappy enclosure? You obviously don't love that spider or something like that because it's obviously people that don't understand how spiders work. And the spider isn't going, hey, you know what? Tom, I really, really deserve a fancy acrylic enclosure that costs $150 as opposed to this $5 enclosure that offers me everything I need to thrive and survive. They're not doing that, but people don't get that. They see the enclosure. They think, why would you waste your money on it? I don't argue with them anymore. I, I usually post something going, I get both sides of it. I get that folks want to put them in something pretty, but in this point, in, in case... This enclosure is perfect for them, whatever the situation. But the milky plastic is a turnoff to many, many people, and I understand. For people, especially with smaller collections, that they want to display them. They want them out in something that looks pretty. They want folks to be able to come over and go, this doesn't look like a bunch of you know, storage, Tupperware storage containers with a bunch of things around your house stored on a shelf. There's animals in there. So I get the appearance can be important. But for people that have larger collections or want to have something like specifically, for example, say a Theraphosa species, if you can't find something big enough that's pretty to put it in, there are some big, I had this old Ziploc container that would allow me to easily pack in about eight, nine inches of substrate, huge floor space. I could have went crazy. When you took the top off, it would have looked beautiful. But unfortunately, once you put the top on, it looks milky. People complain about that, but it would have been the perfect place for a spider. And I will tell you, I have a couple Theraphosa that I'm going to, I have a couple of them in the pretty enclosures. I have a couple of them I'm going to end up putting in larger Sterilite-like enclosures, probably the Ziploc ones, that will probably be better suited to the spider than my pretty ones, to be honest. So Sterilite is still a hobby staple. I know some people don't like it. Again, this comes back to different strokes for different folks. But for folks that are looking for something that's inexpensive and that can easily be adapted to be perfect, create the perfect environment for your spider, Sterilite shouldn't be overlooked. Now, this kind of falls under the line of Sterilite, but I'm going to go for the specific brand. I use a lot of the Systema containers. The one I use, honestly, the only one I use is Systema 1830 Clip It Collection Rectangular Food Storage Container. It's 101 ounces or 9.3 by 6.7 by 4.7 inches high or 23.6 by 17.5 
1.08 by 11.94 centimeters. I love these for terrestrial juveniles, larger slings. They offer a decent amount of depth, so they can do some burrowing. The big fossorial ones, I really wouldn't use one of these for because they're, it's not going to be quite enough for a fossorial species. But for a lot of mine, it's great. Same thing as the other ones we mentioned earlier. They're stackable, a little bit cloudy, but easily modified. And at one point, I think I had 20 of these, two rows of 10 in play. Love them for my spiders. Another one kind of falls under the line of the quote-unquote milky sterilite type containers, the V-Top Mart large food storage containers there. 5.2 liters or 7.5 inches by 7.5 inches by 9.1 inches high or 3.2 by 19.05 by 23.11 centimeters. I love these for fossorial or terrestrial tarantulas. Again, easily ventilated, stackable. They, I love everybody that knows when I work with fast and feisty or supposedly fast and feisty arboreals, I like room up top to work. And I love that they have those big open tops to them that allow me to get my hands in there and not be in the way of the spider. I love these for those. I have, I think, counting up, I have probably. 10 of these in play right now, but that's only because a couple of mine I've recently moved out into other enclosures. So this the VTOP Mart large food storage containers, that's the brand I use because I get them on Amazon and they're relatively cheap. They're like, I think four for like 20 bucks or something. There's other companies that make them, but I think what I'll do with these is probably try to put links in the podcast so that people can go to it or maybe I'll do it on the website page so people that want to see what these look like can uh, check them out. But you don't have to get the VTOP Mart one. There's, other, there's a lot of different companies that make them, but they all all work very well. Very secure lids. They have the lids that have the clamps on like all four sides, the little flaps that clamp down on the thing. Secure, easy to ventilate, look pretty decent except for the fact that they are milky. Now, the next one I mentioned, these I've stopped using, but I use them for quite some time. I love them for quite some time. I will explain why I stopped using them, but they still work great if people prep ahead of time. And I'm talking about the mainstay canisters. I think you can buy something similar. There's a different brand that uh, Amazon offers, and they might have these over in the UK as well or overseas. The They come in a one-gallon or 3.78 liters variety or the two-quart or 1.89 liters. These, the one-gallon ones are great for smaller arboreal and fossorial species. If you look at my older videos, I have a thing where I show how I would ventilate, put the little cups up top for the water dishes, because the only problem is they're narrow, so if you put a water dish down the bottom, it can be difficult to get to the water dish, so I did this little thing where I basically riveted, used glue to rivet a deli cup to the side of it, and then I dropped another deli cup in that, and that I would fill with water. It worked great. The two-quart ones were good for, again, fossorial species, smaller fossorial species where you didn't want to give them too much dirt that they would lose themselves. Terrestrials, I had, I think I just featured on YouTube my Enchromatis that I got as a sling, and she was, when I got her as a sling, she was originally in one of those, and it worked great for them. These do work great. They are cheap. I think the two-quart one is around $2.99, and I think the one-gallon one is like $3.99, they're crystal clear, easy to ventilate, look good in the shelf, the inexpensive, just a lot going for them. The cons, the issue I ran into them, in, into with them, is I was keeping a lot of, again, my fast and fight, my Pisolotheria species, my Salmapia species, 
my a lot of the arboreal species. And the problem I have with them is the actual opening to the container, the mouth of the container is circular. The lid is circular, but the containers themselves are more almost rectangular. So what it did was left four corners on either side of that mouth that when you were trying to rehouse the tarantulas made it difficult to get the tarantulas out because they would go into those corners, scrunch themselves up, and it would be difficult to prod them out. So the trick is ahead of time, if you're going to use one of these, Put some rather large holes at different, about four inches down from across from each of those corners. So all four corners so that you can work a paintbrush in there. So if you lay it on its side, you can put the paintbrush in there and prod the spider down from the corner. That's the best trick I can offer for getting them out of there. Or you get a little pipe cleaner up there or a little stick, whatever you're using to prod the spider out, that'll give you an avenue to get that in there and, and prod it out. Because that was the problem I was having with it. It added a little more extra stress to the rehousings because I'd dig the spider up, I'd get it out, and it would scrunch up in the corner and I couldn't get it out of there but they look great there's a lot of again different strokes different folks i know a lot of folks still use these i use them for quite some time i might use them again because i do kind of miss them and like the way they look but that was the only problem they were great right up until the fact where I, when i had to do the rehousings so those are some of the really cheap ones that i've used and when i use the word sterilite i am referring to all of those sterilite type containers a lot of different con companies make these now sterilite's the big one that was the one my uh, fun fact my grandma stola Porteri, the queen, when I first got her, I had her in one of the Sterilite shoe boxes, the extra large shoe boxes with clip-on tops, and she was in that for probably close to 15 years. So that was the first thing I had her in. She did great in it, especially once I realized you didn't have to miss it like people were telling me, and she did great. So Sterilite, love them. Now, for the in-between enclosures, these are the ones that are look a bit nicer than the ones we just mentioned, but they're a little more pricey. You're going to spend a little bit more money on them. So first one, we're going to start off Hobby Staple Amac boxes. I mentioned earlier that I never used dram vials earlier on. That's because at the time I was ordering a lot from Jamie's Tarantulas and I had the Jamie's sling enclosures. I would get the package and get the little enclosure with them. And it was basically a little two and five sixteenths by two and five sixteenths by four and three sixteenths inch in height. I believe that's around 5.9 by 5.9 by 10.7 centimeters around there. And these were, they had little wire vents, a little mesh vents in the top. And I use, I probably had 20 of these and I use them to raise at least 50 slings in them without issue. I think I lost one sling total. So they worked very well. They were crystal clear. They look nice. You put your little cork bark in there, your little sling in there. The problem is with them, with that ventilation at the top, it was really good ventilation. When I started keeping some of the more moisture dependent species, I had to be extra careful and attentive to it to make sure that they didn't dry out. But these are, the MX boxes are crystal clear. Fairly easy to modify. I say fairly easy because that hard plastic can be kind of a pain in the butt to drill. And if you try to burn it in with soldering, it doesn't burn very well. And they're fairly inexpensive, especially if you get deals. And a lot of times, AMAC will have deals on them or you can get bulk deals. And as far as cons, putting the holes in can be a bit tricky. I remember the first time I decided to get some and make some of my own enclosures, trying to drill was a little bit of a pain in the butt. For, it can be a little bit of a pain for people that aren't do-it-yourselfers. Now, other sizes that work that are very popular, the 4-inch by 4-inch by 7.25 inches model, which is, I believe, 10.16 by 10.16 by 18.4 centimeters. Those are good for arboreal or fossorial species. There's also a 4 by 4 by 5.1-inch one. That, that used to be the one people would sell for juveniles. There are other sizes as well. Definitely check them out. They work great as long as you're able to drill those little holes in them. 
Now, the next one on the list, these are, I love these. I have, we counted it out, 18 of them going now. The M Design enclosures, it was another company that was making them. I can't remember the name, but M Design seems to make them now. The ones I like are the stackable closet storage box with lid. It's 12 and three quarters by six and a quarter by seven inches or 32.4 by 18.4 by 17.8 centimeters. These are the ones I use for dwarf species or larger juveniles. I adore them. They have the hinge tops, which unfortunately can be very loud. You can put a little oil. I think you can use cooking oil or something in the hinges to make sure they don't do it. I, it doesn't bother me all that much, but it can sometimes spook the spider. There is also another model that is 5.5 inches by 6.6 inches by 5 inches. Again, the hinge top or 14 by 16.8 by 12.7 centimeters. It's like kitchen and bathroom. They had another one before that was more that was more shallow that they discontinued. This one's a little deeper. It's It's perfect for larger slings. There's also another size of the larger ones, which I haven't used yet, but I've been eyeing. They run about seven and a quarter inches by 12 and three quarters inches by nine inches tall. So you get extra depth there, which would be great for a fossorial species, or that's 18.4 centimeters by 32.4 centimeters by 22.9 centimeters. So now that I'm looking, I'm adding some of these to my cart. Now, the, the prices are fairly good. I encourage folks, if you think you're going to use a lot of them, buy them in bulk because they're a little bit cheaper. So for example, the one I just described for six of them, it's $104.99, which sounds a little steep, but that's six decent enclosures. I get the other ones in packages of six. I think it runs around $80 for packages of six. But again, if you buy it 80 by six, that's a pretty good price for what is a crystal clear enclosure that is very versatile for both terrestrials. This one here that I'm looking at, the taller nine inch one would even work for juvenile arboreal species, especially if you want to give them multiple hides or such, but love them. Now, the thing with these guys, the pros are that they are crystal clear, fairly easy to modify. Usually when I get some, I set some a couple hours aside to kind of, I make a pattern with a piece of paper. I tape the pattern on, I use that to drill the holes in, and it does take some time, especially this material. If things get too hot, it gums up the drill bit and you get kind of these gnarly little things around the sides that you have to clean off. But if you take your time on it and drill them out, put a day aside, get these all set, they are totally worth it. Now, one of the problems with them is not only the holes, the fact that they are hinged and there's no latch. So that tends to bother some people. Now, what I do, I've explained this before, is I have shelves positioned so that I can slide two of these in perfectly and it keeps the top completely down. So they, I stack two of them on top of each other. And again, they are stackable. That's another pro. Slide them in. It holds the tops down so I don't have to do any modification for locks or anything. For folks who want to do the locks, you're going to want a Dremel tool. You're going to want to buy the acrylic hasps and some of the acrylic cement and basically what you want to do is use the dremel tool to clean up the lip a little bit and then mount those hasps on there and i've seen people do them it's not that tricky but again you have to be a bit of a do-it-yourselfer so if that's not your cup of tea you don't have the the tools for it completely understand i would encourage you to do the shelf trick where you put two shelves so you have a couple shelves on a wall you position them so that you can slide two of them and it holds it perfectly snug that's what i do because i have a lot of these in play and i'm just not bothering plus i like to stack them so if you add the has to it, I think that kind of can interfere with the stacking. Although I think somebody did chime in on one of my videos and said they found a way to do it that you could still stack them. But that's what I do. And I love these again for somebody that isn't afraid to get in there and, and get their hands dirty and do some modifications. They work out fantastically. So M Design, definitely 
These are ones that I don't see myself moving away from unless they stop making them and I find a situation where I can't find them anymore. Then maybe I'd try something else, but these are definitely keepers for me. Now, the next one up, I actually just featured the last one I'm using in a video. I use these for a long time. I know some folks like them. I've moved away from them, and I will tell you why in a moment. The Exoterra breeding boxes. It was a period a while back where I ended up getting some good deals on these. I got a, first a friend of mine got rid of hers and sent a bunch to me, and then I bought a bunch more. I used a lot of them, but unfortunately, I'm not using them anymore. Now, the sizes, the sizes are fairly convenient. The large is about the size of one of those Sterilite containers I was telling you I used earlier. It's uh, 16.3 inches by 10.4 inches by 5.8 inches tall, or 41.5 by 26.5 by 14.8 centimeters. So the size of one of those extra wide Sterilite shoe boxes, about, and we'll go into the, why it's not exactly the same size in a minute. The mediums. 11.8 inches by 7.7 inches by 5.8 inches or 30.2 by 19.6 by 14.7 centimeters. These are the single shoe box size. Back in the day, these used to be a very popular size for folks keeping tarantulas, smaller ones. And then the small is 8.1 by 8.1 by 5.7 inches or 20.5 by 20.5 by 14.5 centimeters. So now that we've got the size, obviously a bunch of convenient sizes there. What drew me to these was the fact that they look very nice. They have crystal clear bases. They're almost like it's the same design as a Critter Keeper. So the base is solid plastic mold, crystal clear, and then the top is black, sort of like a, a Critter Keeper mold with the ventilation, and it has a hatch on top, like an observation hatch that you can open to feed them. It has a feeding hatch on the side, very well ventilated. And they're stackable. So it offered a lot. And that's why I started using them because it was getting to the point where I was getting a lot of spiders and I needed something that allowed me to be able to stack them up on my shelvings. Now, the cons, the con for this one, and this is why I moved away from them, they're too shallow for me. The base, the molded clear plastic acrylic, whatever it is, base is really only, although it says it's like five and a quarter, when you take into account the feet that are on the bottom that hold it up a little bit, it's only around four inches or 10.16 centimeters deep. And that just wasn't enough room for substrate, especially after I got away from keeping terrestrials as straight terrestrials. And what I mean by that is, I've, I've explained this before. I used to think, all right, this spider's a terrestrial, therefore a couple inches of substrate will be fine. Well, I started realizing if I gave them more room to dig, a lot of them would take me up on the offer and do some digging and burrowing. Not full fossorial, but they'd carve out a little area for themselves. They couldn't do that with these enclosures. They either had to ha hang underneath the cork bark with very little space to dig underneath it or sit right out in the open. They did not because they were well ventilated and super shallow. You couldn't put anything in there that had, was moisture dependent. If I put things in there with water dishes during the wintertime, the water dishes would evaporate super fast and there wasn't a lot of room to contain the spider. So I used to have a couple Formictopus species in that. And when I'd open the enclosure, luckily my Formictopus species are very well behaved. Those Formictopus species, you consider if you put two inches of substrate in there and the spider is standing two and a half inches tall, they're sometimes over top of the edge of the lip of that container which meant there wasn't a lot of protection if that spider decided to bolt. So I ended up little by little taking them out of circulation. The last spider I had in them was a Gramostola pulchropes, and it was in an 8x8 one. I recently moved it into one of the reptile growth enclosures or barbarous growth enclosures, and the last one of them has gone into the garage. I have them all stacked up there. They have been retired. Now, for folks that use them, I'm not saying they can't be used. I want to make that very clear. It's just my keeping style as I spent more time with, as I wanted to add more substrate to all, to give more substrate to all my tarantulas, they just didn't work for me. So the Exoterra breeding boxes, 
They can be used, just not my cup of tea right now. And while we're on the Exoterra breeding boxes, we'll get into Critter Keepers style. These are great because they want, and I'm not going to go into the actual dimensions because everybody knows Critter Keepers, but they come in small, medium, large, extra large. Note about small. They make ones that are super small that look like they'd be perfect size for slings. Unfortunately, because all the lids are generally the same type of ventilation, which is those long ventilation slots in them, small, tiny slings. If they can get their carapace through something, they can escape. So if you put a, I've had a lot of people do this and they message me, go, I I know you said you shouldn't use it for this size, but I didn't escape. If you put tiny slings in those small critter keeper size enclosures, they can climb and get out of those slats and escape. I caught one of mine doing it years ago. I bought a little tiny one. I go, oh, this one looks big enough for it. Put it in, went to feed, saw the spider halfway out. It was a huge pain in the butt trying to get the spider. It was kind of stuck in the ventilation area trying to get it out of there. So heads up, I would only use these for spiders. This is me personally. Are there other ones that may, can you put a smaller spider in it? I'm sure you can. I'm sure people have, but this is the size I would limit it at least an inch and three quarters by two inches or 4.5 to 5.08 centimeters. Anything under that I'd be careful with because they may, again, they get the carapace through, they can escape. So what the pros of these, very well ventilated, fairly inexpensive. Walmart carries, I used to keep a lot of my like old world, dry old worlds in them, like Harpactera species, my OBTs, I'd have some of those in them. They, a lot of ventilation. So I wouldn't necessarily, if you're keeping something that requires moisture, you're going to want to block off. What I used to do is block off some of the ventilation on the top, leave the ventilation on the sides. You still want a good, good ventilation. If you want to increase cross ventilation, you can always, I've had one that I kept in a vicularia in that I put extra ventilation in the actual molded clear plastic bottom of them. They're stackable, which is great when you have, that's when I had, I used to have a row of the smaller ones. I think it's medium size, not the small, the medium and they look beautiful on the shelf. The cons, again, that ventilation can make it difficult to keep a moisture-dependent species in it. You either got to block some of that ventilation off or be a little more diligent, make sure things don't evaporate too quickly. And then some folks report that they've had spiders snap their fangs in the tops. Now, I've... I think this falls under the topic of like, I'd I'd be wrong not to mention this because I'm not going to discount that it's happened. I just think this can happen with any type of ventilated enclosure. I've had some folks say because of the way these are designed with the longer strip, like the longer ventilation slots instead of holes that it's easier for them to do it. I've never experienced it myself, but I believe that people have. I have experienced this type of phenomenon with other enclosures. I had a Sterilite one that I had ventilated that the spider was getting its fangs into the ventilation holes. The problem is if there's a ventilation hole, the spiders will work on it and they will work at it and they will try to rip through it. This can be an issue with any type of enclosure that has ventilation holes. So do I think that issue is exclusive to Critter Keeper style enclosures? No, I don't. I've used between Critter Keeper. I mean, folks have used Critter Keeper, Fonarium, even the aforementioned Exoterra breeding boxes all have that type of ventilation and nobody's reported like mass issues with it. But that is something to keep in mind. My thing is if any type of enclosure, you're using any type of enclosure that you notice the spider trying to get their fangs in there, working their fangs through, then you may want to rehouse. That's something I wouldn't continue to let the spider work at because A, they can rip through the plastic. B, they can break their fangs. You don't want that. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't want to discount it because it's obviously happened. Do I think it's widespread? I do not. But some people, it's risk versus reward. So if I was somebody that experienced this and I experienced it multiple occasions, I would probably not want to use them anymore. And I'd probably warn people as well. So I never had the problem with it, but that's something I want to make sure is out there because I have heard it reported. So Critter Keeper style enclosures, 
besides the snap fangs issue that people sometimes report, the other thing is they can be a pain in the butt to open without disturbing the spider. Some of those lids lock down very tight. I've had people say they're a huge pain to get off. They can disturb the spider. Um, that's something to think about as well. But they can work, and they do work well, I think, for many tarantula species. Now, the last one on the you know semi-fancy enclosure ones, I've been using these for a while. My buddy Charles introduced me to them, and I love them. It, the Gary Plastic Packaging Clear Plastic Display Boxes. A lot of plastic in there. They run 12.5 inches by 8.5 inches by 8 inches, or 31.75 by 21.59 by 20.32 centimeters. They are basically large crystal clear plastic boxes that are great for like medium-sized spiders. You could keep a medium-sized adult in there. They run about $31 each, which is a little more on the pricey end. However, what I usually do is I get a box of four for $90. So that knocks them down to about what, 22 and a half bucks, 23 bucks, which I think is pretty reasonable for an enclosure, for a crystal clear enclosure in this size. Now, the pros, they look fantastic. They are crystal clear. They are stackable. They are roomy enough for many terrestrial species. They are deep enough for many fossorial species. The cons, you they do take a little work to make them suitable for spiders. So drilling the holes, it is that hard plastic, so you're going to want to make a template, tape it on there, drill, try not to get the drill too heated up so it doesn't gum up. That can take time. And the tops set in, and you're going to want to make sure you affix them with something. So one way to do it, again, like the the containers we talked about earlier, the M-Design ones, you can make them so they stack too high and have the two shelves that hold the lids down. Or what I like to do, and my buddy Charles showed me how to do, is to add hinges and hasps. You buy the acrylic hinges, the hasps, the cement that you use for it, and it's not too difficult to affix those. I have, let's see, about eight of these right now, and all but two of them have the hasps and the hinges. You can still stack them if you want to. The hinges hold them shut. Just really good-looking enclosures. So those are ones, and obviously, while we're talking about this, I can't use every type of enclosure that's out there. So I know there are other enclosures like these. I know there's ones meant for holding basketballs that work very well. They, those would fall in the same line of these. Some of those trophy enclosures that people make, they are trophy cases, old footballs, basketballs, ones that hold cars, model cars. All of those would fall under this one here. I know I've used in the past the Matchbox containers, the ones that use Matchbox cars for slings. I've moved away from them. I didn't really like them, but that's something you could use. So understand, these are ones that I've used recently or just taken out of circulation. There are obviously other ones out there that fall under the same heading. So the Gary Clear plastic ones, love them. Use a lot of them. Speaking of which, I got to get some more of them because I got some more spiders I want to put in there. But very versatile, very good looking, and won't break the bank. So now we're moving into the quote-unquote premium enclosures, although some of these aren't overly pricey, but they can be up there. They're usually a bit more expensive. We'll start off with the glass ones. The Exoterra, very, very popular over here in the States. I think a lot of folks in Canada use them as well, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I've spoken to some people overseas. They have them over there as well. But the two big sizes, and there's obviously more than this. These are the ones I use mostly. The Nano Tall, which are 8x8 by 12 inches, or 20.32 by 20.32 by 30.48. The Nano, which is 8x8 by 8, or 20.32. I actually only have one of these still left I'm using. I've... I struggle with the Nano, and I'll talk about that in a minute. They have the Mini Tall, the 12 by 12 by 18 inches, or 30.48 by 30.48 by 45.72 centimeters. 
And then they have the mini, the 12 by 12 by 12 or 30.48 cubed. Now the pros, they are super attractive. They are durable. They are made of glass, which is meant to last. I made a rhyme there. They're easy to clean. Like if you have poo all over it, you just take a razor blade and run it down it. It's very easy to clean. Relatively inexpensive, inexpensive if you price shop. So what I mean by that is I was able to get some of the bigger ones, the 12 by 12 by 18 inch ones for about 60 bucks, which wasn't that bad for an enclosure that size because I was able to go around and find some place that was selling them for super cheap where if you spent enough, you got free shipping. Amazon, every once in a while, will have sales on these, but if you get the normal price, I think what happens is a lot of them get broken in transit, so they've jacked up the prices. They can be super expensive at Amazon, so you want to look at other pet supply stores. But if you can get a good deal on them, they're definitely worth it. Now, pros, very attractive, durable glass, relatively inexpensive. They offer a variety of sizes that are appropriate for different size spiders, dwarfs, if you want to put juveniles in them. Cons, you have to replace the wire mesh on the top. I don't care what anybody says, that stuff is a safety hazard and happens quite more. I've received in the past couple months, three different people have contacted me saying that they had the same issue with, two of them it was terrestrials, one of them was actually an arboreal with their toe claws getting caught in the mesh, so you want to replace that. There is a lack of cross ventilation. There is ventilation under the door, so if you're running a fan in your room, that does help the air circulate a bit. But for some species like the Avicularia Carabina versicolor, if you're raising larger specimens, older specimens, it's I don't think as much of a big deal. But for smaller ones, that might be an issue. And then the litter dams on them. They there's litter dams are only about three inches deep or so, which means if you want a species that's going to be burrowing, you got to get creative. I do have an M. robustum in one. She burrows and it did work. I had to basically angle the substrate up from the litter dam up to the back where it's about six or seven inches high. That worked well. So just pay attention to that. That can be an issue for once. They're not really good for fossorial species, true fossorial species, because there really isn't enough room for them to truly dig or at least larger fossorial species. I'm assuming something smaller could probably do okay in it. But the exoterras, I like. I went through a period where I didn't use them at all, and then I went through a period where I started using them again. I'm like these are great. I do have several of these. I like the cubes, the twelve by twelve by twelve cubes, the eight by eight by eight one. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. I, I think it's just too much going on for the size. I, it, it just seems cramped to me. I do have a spider in it now, but I think after I take that spider out, I will probably take those out of circulation. They're decent. I, I should say they're decent for like dwarf species. But again, with that whole litter dam thing, it's tough sometimes to keep them from de, you know evaporating, the water from evaporating too quickly. They look nice. They can work. It's just not my cup of tea. Let's put it that way. Anybody that's using them, there's nothing wrong with them. I did use them for years. I've just been moving away from them. But Exoterra, definitely good ones. Another one that I've used as far as glass is concerned, Reptazoo. I use the Reptazoo mini glass reptile terrarium. It's eight by eight by 11 inches or 20.32 by 20.32 by 27.94 centimeters. I've also used the mini 8-gallon reptile terrarium, 12 by 12 by 12, or 30.5 inches cubed. It should be noted that the mini 8-gallon one comes flat, and you have to assemble it, and it is not waterproof. So if you want to use this, and this is where I kind of had some trouble with it, with a species where you're going to have to keep the substrate moist, you're going to have to go in after you assemble it with some aquarium-grade silicone and basically seal the whole thing up, which isn't a big deal if you know how to do it. It's just, it's an extra step. But I've used those before. They're, I think, around 40 bucks or so, 50 bucks. So 
if you shop around, you can find the Exoterra cube for that much. It's just these would be ideal for a fossorial species because if you seal them up properly, you now have something that has 12 inches of depth that you could use for a fossorial. And I think fossorials are the spiders I have the most difficult time finding suitable, nice, suitable enclosures for them. I can find a lot of sterilites up, but finding something glass or whatever can be a little bit tricky. Now, the Reptazoo have a sliding top made out of perf or perforated aluminum, which adds a, allows a lot of ventilation. So you just got to be careful because that's top ventilation, meaning that the substrate, if it's moist or your water dishes, will evaporate more quickly. I like the mid, the 8 by 8 by 11 one. I like for arboreal or fossorial species. I currently have an Acemonium one and two C. darlingi in them. And I believe I also have an Avicularia, Avicularia in them. So it works for both the fossorial species and arboreal species. But really like those. And again, the, the pros, attractive, durable glass, relatively inexpensive if you price shop. The cons, they only have that top ventilation. And if you buy the eight-gallon one, you're going to have to do some sealing. But uh, Reptazoo, if you find them for a decent enough price, those work great. Another glass one I've used, the Crepels, which I bought because I love the name of it. It has crap in it. It's got to be great. But uh, Crepels Small Vertical Insect Glass Terrarium, it's 7.8 inches by 7.8 inches by 10.8 inches or 19.8 by 19.8 by 27.4 centimeters. Again, these can be used for arboreal or fossorial species. The tops are a little, it's made out of plastic. It's ventilated with the, the slats, like almost like what we were just describing with the critter keepers except that the the top is hinged so you can open the whole top up or there's a little feeding hatch in there but i like these i've used these as well for arboreal and fossorial species the pros are reasonably priced around if you get them on sale i've got i got one of them for 35 bucks which is pretty good durable glass well ventilated on top convenient feeding hatch cons again no cross ventilation and a little smaller than most of those standard 8 by 8 by 12 ones these are a little bit smaller and you don't notice as much until you set one up and put it next to one of the 8 by 8 by uh 12 ones but Good enclosures. Another one I purchased, the Zilla 5.5 gallon critter cage. These are 16 inches by 8 inches by 10 inches or 40.7 by 20.32 by 25.4. The I use these for, I believe I have my, I originally had a S. Crassipes in it. It turned out to be male. I currently have my Kilobrachis Thimbriatus in one female. She does great in it. I like them because they're a larger tank that are good for fossorial species. However, they do have the wire mesh tops. What I did was replace the wire mesh with some, I bought the plastic that you use for poster frames, cut that out, drilled it, replaced the wire mesh with that. They were great as long as you replace the mesh. Would I use them with the mesh? Absolutely not. So again, pros, reasonably priced, durable glass, decent size for a, you know, you could put a terrestrial in it, but I like them for a fossorial species. The cons, again, that wire mesh top will have to be replaced. So in the United States, that's pretty much the main options we have for the glass enclosures. I know overseas, you guys have a lot more options. I think there's a lot more glass going on over there than there is over here. I think that part of the problem is in the United States, the glass is heavier. It's obviously more breakable, less durable in shipping, and it makes it more expensive to, to, to ship and package. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's not as popular over here. But I, I don't know. It's it, I love the glass enclosures, and again, especially with the cleaning, especially with the boreals that poop all over the thing, makes it so much easier. Now, acrylic enclosures. Oh, boy. 
I've been toying with how to approach this because the acrylic enclosure, especially in the U.S., and I know they're starting to move into Canada. Not sure. There's one company that does them overseas that does an amazing job. I think probably the best as far as actually designing useful enclosures as opposed to gimmicks. But I, I feel like it's gotten so out of hand now that people actually fight over which ones are the best. So we're going to talk a bit about those in a minute, but let's start off with something very uncontroversial. We'll start off with Lorex Plastics Acrylic Enclosures. Lorex has been doing this for a while. It's a, a, a plastic company in Connecticut that they used to put up like, hey, we did some enclosures. I think they do it in their winter season when they weren't busy. They put enclosures up. They've taken it more seriously lately. I know they were developing a website specifically to sell the enclosures. I couldn't find the link or what happened to it, but they sell off of eBay quite a bit, and they make many different sizes and offer deals on their eBay page that usually includes free shipping if you shop well. So the ones that I have from Lorex, which I love, the five gallons were the first ones I bought. They're eight inches by eight inches by 16 inches or 20.32 by 20.32 by 40.64. I have several of my larger terrestrials in these. They have the 10 gallons. I currently have a Therafosa Blondie in one. Those are 10 inches by 10 inches by 24 inches or 25.4 by 25.4 by 61. And then the 15 gallon, which I believe is 11 inches by 11 inches by 24 inches or 28 by 28 by 61 centimeters, I think. I might screw that one up. Anyway, good size. They make a bunch of other sizes as well. And again, this is one of those ones you want to watch the eBay page. I would follow them and they have deals all the time. So sometimes like the five gallons when I originally bought them, were I think around 45 bucks each. They're a little more expensive. This was a while back. The 10 gallons were around 70 or so, which is a good deal for a big enclosure. The 15 gallon one was pretty pricey, but it was one I needed and didn't have time to wait for it to go on sale. But if you follow Lorex Plastics, they have the trick is to get them when they're having one of their deals with free shipping because a lot of times you'll see them they'll be like this cage is fifty dollars but it's twenty dollars shipping which kind of kills it so you definitely want to kind of play the game but the pros they look beautiful they're acrylic you can custom you can have them do custom things to it so if you approach them and say hey I want more ventilation is it going to cost you more money yes but they will customize them and they look great on a shelf the cons they can be a little bit on the pricey end that's about it as far as cons and of course the cons let's get the out of the way as far as acrylic is concerned. This will go for every single acrylic enclosure we talk about. Cons of acrylic. Acrylic will warp. Acrylic can yellow. Acrylic scratches. If you sneeze on it, it scratches. And those for some people are, that's enough right there for them to not buy acrylic. So I get it when people are like, I'd rather buy glass. I just don't think we have as much glass in the US as they do overseas. Acrylics, if you're super careful, you know, you can get you can do okay with them, but I've literally just pouring substrate in and trying to clean the dust off the side have scratched them before. And there's always folks that complain about the warping. The acrylic, there's different types of acrylic. Some of it is very porous. It absorbs that moisture. So one side might absorb the moisture more than the other side and it starts to curl, which can make it difficult to keep the latches shut. I've had this just about with every single acrylic enclosure that I have some type of warping. Usually it doesn't end up being a big deal, but I've had some where it really can impact your ability to open the enclosure or to keep the enclosure shut. So something to keep in mind. But So that that will follow for every single one of the enclosures except for one which I've had zero problems with that we'll talk about in a minute. So now that we've done Lorex Plastics, let's wade into the magnetic enclosure. So let's throw this out there. Most of these enclosures that you see, although people design them, and I will tell you years ago, I looked into designing my own enclosures and I had some ideas for what I thought would be good sizes, some versatile designs, and I did get contacted by a 
one of the producers, the manufacturers in China who sent me a list of what they could do, said we could do different types of designs. And I realized that once, if I sent my designs to China and had these made in China, which is the cheapest way to do it, which is why folks do it, it's they're quick, they're cheap. If I send my designs there, there's no patents. There's that they're free. They're they can take whatever I send them and sell it to somebody else, and that's exactly what they do. So, for example, recently I got contacted again, and there was a whole uproar about people copying different enclosures, whatever. Which I'm not going to wade into, but let me just explain this part for the next time something like this pops up. I got a thing in from the people in China. They're like, hey, we make these enclosures. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, I'll be interested. I really wasn't. I just wanted to see what they had and what the prices were. And when they sent me the list of what they could do, one of the enclosures they were showing was a new design was something that somebody else hadn't even released yet. They They were getting these made up and they were about to release them. And I was already being offered them by this place. So whoever sent this design, they said, hey, this will be a neat design. They sent me that same design and said, we can make these for you. That's how it works. So hence why I never ended up doing it. I'd love to do my enclosures someday, but I really would love them to be my enclosures and not somebody else's and not have them go out there. So that's why I have so many folks that are confused by this. And I get because there are a ton of companies making these enclosures and they're very, very similar. Sure, they come up with ideas of ventilation. Some of them, and let me put it out there. Some of these folks are being very, very creative and coming up with new ideas. But what happens is once those ideas are over there, anybody can use them. So the first one, and I don't know if a lot of folks realize this, the first time I ever saw these magnetic enclosures was from a company named Herpcol. And those were the first, I've had them for years. And then there were other companies. We had Primal Cages. We have Tarantula Cribs, who does a wonderful job packaging them, getting them out there. They have a lot of folks that they sponsor, so it gets their enclosure out there so people see them and buy them. They offer them discounts or whatever, so those have become very popular in the U.S., but not the first. It was others. Nanny Zoo is out there. Reptazoo makes them. Primal Fear Tarantulas. I think it's Primal Fear Tarantulas in Canada does them now. A lot of folks are making these, and yes, they are constantly trying to innovate and come up with new designs, but just recognize that if somebody comes up with a design that's popular, most likely somebody else is going to end up with the same design. So I just wanted to get that out there because I've had folks asking me, hey, what is the deal with these things? Why do like I've had folks say I bought one from this company and this company, they're exactly the same. What's the deal? Well, that's the deal. If you, if I go up and design, say I design a acrylic enclosure and I make it, I don't know, it's L-shaped for burrowing species. And I, I put all my, I design where the ventilation is going to be, where the hatch is going to be, whatever. The next person that approaches this manufacturer and says, I'd like to see what you're designing, they're going to go, we have this new L-shaped design. And if you don't know anybody, you go, I love that. I'll take that, just slap my logo on it. There it is. It's now somebody else is selling the exact same thing. So that's how it works. Not saying, I, and I think with these enclosures, what I would encourage people to do is you support whoever you want to support. If it's cheaper somewhere else and you're thrifty, then by all means, buy the cheaper enclosure. If you like somebody, if you've met the people they are manufacturing, it, if you like it because a certain influencer is pimping them out and, and talking about them, that's what, by all means, get it. But recognize there's a big market out there. And as, as long as these are manufactured in China, nobody's got a patent on the designs. Nobody's saying, which is a shame because I think people come up with some really cool ideas. I also think there's some really dumb gimmicky ones going around right now. And we won't get into that. I don't buy any of those, nor do I own any of those. But I, I think it comes down to if you like 
Herp Colt, I know I follow Herp Colt on Instagram. They're doing some really cool things and kind of getting beyond out of the box with these designs. They get Herp Colt. If you love tarantula cribs, you've seen them enclosures advertised on videos. You've seen your favorite YouTuber promoting. By all means, grab them. They seem to be incredibly nice people. They've sent me enclosures before. I've sent them feedback. Use who you want, but let's not get into this like finger pointing game when somebody inevitably is going to come out. There's going to be a new person making these. They're going to have the same exact designs. Unfortunately, that's what happens. Hopefully, folks, you'd like to think folks will go and make some changes to them. But for some people, they're just trying to do a quick, cheap enclosure. Like, if I was going to order a bunch for my own in- a collection, I wouldn't do anything to alter them. I'd find one a, a style that I liked. I'd slap my Tom's Big Spiders logo on them. I'd have all these Tom's Big Spiders enclosures in here. So, with that out of the way, the companies, again, that produce these Herp Cole, Tarantula Cribs, Primal Cages, um, Nanny Zoo, Reptazoo, Primal Fear Tarantulas in Canada, there's a bunch of them. They're all good stuff. I like them. The pros are attractive. They come in a myriad of sizes and shapes. They, you can get just about any type of design you want. There's ones that mount on walls. There's ones that are shaped like coffins and stuff and all kinds of things. The cons, again, the warping. I have some of these enclosures and it's, I have some from all the companies on here that the sliding, a lot of these use that sliding door that slides in a track and the magnets in there. The magnets aren't even needed because they warp so much that the magnets don't even catch. It's just stuck in there. I had one that literally I could not open at one point. I thought I was going to break the enclosure trying to get it open because they will, if you fill them with enough substrate and you fill them with moist substrate, you can get some of that warping and that's something to pay attention to. The cheaper ones will yellow. I will say the majority of the ones I just mentioned, I think only my Reptazoo one yellow. The rest of them are crystal clear still and the scratching. But these are incredibly popular. Again, I think why they're incredibly popular isn't because people went, these are the absolute best enclosures for this species of tarantula. It's because a lot of folks have have put in a lot of time, work, and energy to innovate, come up with new designs, come up with premium packaging for them. Because remember, if you're buying them, that packaging costs money, that's going to tack onto the price of it, and done a good job marketing these so people know they're out there. And again, where do people find their stuff? They go on, they get in the spiders, they watch YouTube. They see some people promoting them. I love promoting cages. When I find enclosures that I like, I love promoting them to get them out there because they work for me. Not because somebody's paying me, but because it's like, I this works great for me. I want folks to know about it. But that's how folks find these enclosures. And that's why they're so popular right now. I do wish the innovation would lead more towards functionality and not aesthetics, meaning I think a lot of them are meant to look really cool and have these gimmicky looking things, but they're not necessarily correct for the different species of spiders. Hence why I struggle sometimes where they say, we make tarantula enclosures and some of the things they're making are not in any way, shape or form appropriate for tarantulas. But that's for folks to do their homework, figure out what works for them. That's not what we're about today. So the magnetic enclosures, definitely I have tons of them. I like them. I am struggling now because I think I've had them for so long. Like one of my Herp Cult ones has been used three different times. So that's three times I've had the vacuum. I usually use a shop vac to vacuum the substrate out of them as carefully as I can to not, because if you dump it upside down, it scratches the whole thing. But even then it's got scratches on it. It's looking a little beat up. So magnetic enclosures are awesome. Pick whichever one you like, which by any person you like, I don't care. Just know that that's why they seem so repetitive. So redundant. why so many people are making the exact same styles. The next one I featured on a video, it's brand new. The uh, woman that's making them is really apparently getting serious about the making these enclosures for the hobby. She originally worked for a non, I think it was a nonprofit animal rescue place. And she was trying to design enclosures for them to use that were inexpensive and decide, hey, I'll try selling these. 
and now she's realized there's a market for them, and I do love her design. There are some issues with it, and I'll talk about it in a minute, but I think she's going to remedy those. I'm talking about the Authentic Joy enclosures. You can get these on Amazon. They're like 50 bucks, which is a steal, I think, for the size of them. They're 10 inches by 7 inches by 14 inches, or 25.4 by 17.78 by 35.56 centimeters. They can be used for terrestrials. They can be used for fossorials, or they can be flipped up and used for arboreals, which makes them incredibly versatile. They're attractive. The price is good. The problem with them is the lack of ventilation at this time. If I, I would not keep anything that was moisture dependent in it because I don't think there's enough airflow to keep that moisture level moving to not keep allow the, uh, the enclosure to become stagnant. However, I had a lengthy conversation with her where I actually, and I don't know what's going to come of this. I hope, it sounds like she's going to be doing this, but for the next time she comes out with a new batch of them, she's more than doubling the ventilation. Them. She doubles the ventilation. These things are going to be a real threat on the market because I think, again, that versatility of being able to be used as an arboreal or a fossorial or a terrestrial enclosure. They look nice. They have the sliding doors. They did early on have a problem. And I found this with a couple of different companies, uh, a couple of different creators of these enclosures that send them overseas. The first batch, a lot of times, aren't glued well. They don't do a very good job of it, so they were falling apart, which was a bummer, but she replaced her customer service. was fantastic. She replaced them all. The last batch I got, solid as a rock, working great. They just need a bit more ventilation. So hopefully, I plan on doing the video version of this in December. Hopefully, by that time, they've remedied this situation, added more ventilation, which I will pimp the heck out of them because I love them. That's what it's about. I, I pimp things that I love, and I love the design of them. It's just right now, I'm very limited in what I can use, and then like I would not put in a Vic area or Caribbean Versicolor in them. No way enough ventilation. I planned on what I really want to put in them is some of my Ephibopus species or Ephibopus species because I think they'd be great for them to allow enough height for them to do some webbing up top. It allows some room for burrowing, but there's not enough ventilation in it at that time or at this time. Now, for folks over in Europe, I did do a, a, they, the people who create these did contact me and sent me some enclosures a while back, which I adore arachnocysts these are made in europe they are fan this is one where i can tell whoever's making them knows tarantulas because the majority of the ones i've looked at you can tell where the design process comes from you can tell that they're not going let me just make something gimmicky that people are going to go oh that's super cool i want that and more like this is something that will benefit the spider but they have i would encourage anybody even if you're in the u.s check them out just drool over some of the styles they have a bunch of my buddy Adam Guest has a bunch of these enclosures sends me pictures and I'm so jealous of them because he has so many spiders in them and they're fantastic looking the ones I have I absolutely adore I won't go into all the shapes and sizes because there's honestly too many and too many to describe but again I would encourage people to check them out but pros quality materials these things are well made I've had no warping on them there's no discoloration I believe they use the type of plastic for the doors is the same stuff they use for motorcycle helmet visors so the stuff is like bulletproof they look great just fantastic and again you can tell they were designed by tarantula enthusiasts for tarantulas, which is great. Cons with that quality comes a, a hefty price tag, and I've had folks that overseas also. I know shipping them. 
to the U.S. is almost cost prohibitive. I know they've reached out to some people in the U.S. to see if they could be distributors, but I don't think they've worked anything out. Hopefully they do, because I would kill to have these over here. But I know folks in the U.K. and overseas and in Europe have said that they are beautiful, but they can be a bit pricey. But again, you're paying for quality, and we're talking about premium enclosures. So Arachnosis, very jealous that they have those over there, because unlike some of the stuff I see over here with the acrylics, these are people that seem to be, for the most part, keeping the tarantulas in mind. When they create something, it's for visibility, it's for functionality, not necessarily just to try to stand out among the pack of people making very similar enclosures. So had to mention those. Last one, as far as the acrylic enclosures, Jamie's Tarantulas enclosures. These were the first acrylic enclosures I ever purchased. I currently have three of them. They come in three adult sizes, seven inches by seven inches by 11, eight by eight by 14, and 10 by 10 by 20 inches or so. And the pros, they are very well made. They're versatile. They're made to either be terrestrial enclosures where you lay them down. They have a, a top lid that you open up and you put the spider in there terrestrially or you can stand them on end and they can be a boreal enclosure. So again, that versatility and they're gorgeous and I've used them for years. Mine still are in great shape and I think one of them is probably about 15, 16 years old now. So quite old, but they're still looking great. Cons, they can be a bit pricey and I have heard some folks experience warping on some of the doors, although I think they remedied that. Mine never did it. Mine never warped at all, which was great. Some of the only acrylic enclosure I had that didn't warp, but I'd be Wrong to not mention I have had some folks say they had some warping with it, but again, I think they fixed it. So the Jamie's enclosures, again, pricey, but beautiful. And finally, my new favorite enclosures. The good news is these are both in the U.S. and overseas. The Barbarous Growth slash Reptile Growth Explosion-Proof Plastic Enclosures. I love these. I now have about 20 of them. I love the way this, I, I just, these are the ones I love doing videos on because I like, I like getting the word out to people when I find something that works great for me, but the sizes they have eight by eight by eight inches or 20.32 centimeters cubed, 12 by seven by eight inches or 30.5 by 17.8 by 20.32, five gallon one that is 16 by eight by 10 inches or 40.64 by 20.32 by 25.4 centimeters deep. Or the 10-gallon, which is 20 by 10 by 11 inches, or 50.8 by 25.4 by 20.32 centimeters. Love them. Love that they have the solid bases that are crystal clear. The tops are kind of fit on, and they're held together with there's little rivets that go in the side, little plastic rivets. They give you a little tool that you twist them in. They have an opening door that's perf, that perforated aluminum. They have a spring-loaded hatch on the side that allows you a feeding port. They have ventilation around three of the sides, ventilation on the top, the great selection of sizes, uh, just explosion proof. I know all of us out there have had a problem at one time or another of our enclosures spontaneously exploding. These won't. I mean, how much better do you get now? But seriously, it does say explosion proof on it, but always cracks me up. They are stackable, which is fantastic, especially if you want to cut down a little of that top airflow. And they can be used for fossorial or terrestrial species. Right now, I have... What do I have in those? I have a Theraphosa apophysis in one. I have a lot of my curtain web spiders in them. I have several other species in them. The dwarf species are great in the 12 by 7 by 8 or even the 8 by 8 by 8 ones. So many different sizes, so many different uses for them. Cons, a little too much ventilation if you're putting a moisture-dependent one. This 
this month I'll be you probably during my Thanksgiving break I'll be cutting up some plastic to cover up a little bit of that ventilation on the top because they really do I mean it's great airflow but they tend to dry out rather quickly and those little rivets can be a bit annoying especially if you have multiples of them on the same shelf I have a problem sometimes where I drag them out and the rivets catch and the rivet twists and pops out and I have to put it back in those can be a little bit of a pain not deal breaker as far as I'm concerned but just something to be aware of and something I would have to mention but they're fantastic. I love them. I feature them in a lot of videos. If you want, you know, feel free to go over and check out some of my videos that have them on it if you see if it's something you'd like. But again, it's one of those ones that I don't think it was obviously made for tarantulas, but it works great for tarantulas. And they're both in Europe and in the United States. So we can both enjoy explosion-proof enclosures. So, oh my God, do I need a drink? My throat is so dry. The heat's running up here and I'm dying, but made it through this one. So hopefully... I gave folks some things to check out, some things to think about. Again, is this every type of enclosure style that's out there? No, it's not. Will I eventually publish this and figure out that I forgot something? Of course, absolutely. Will people come forward with stuff that they use that I will check out? Yes, I will, because I will never stop trying to find cool new enclosure designs. But hopefully this will spell out the pros and cons of the things I use, some of the reasons why I've gravitated away from the ones I don't use anymore, and some of the reasons why I love the, some of the things I'm using, like those barbarous growth enclosures, those acrylic, the magnetic top acrylic enclosures, why everybody likes those. Hopefully that kind of spells it out for folks. So that will do it for this one. I'm going to run downstairs and get a drink and wet my throat here because I'm dying. Um, as always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on Tom's Big Spiders, the podcast. You can find me on Spotify if you want to leave a comment. On YouTube, the last video I posted was, I'm doing a series, I just for fun of it, to get people talking, called Versus, where we take two kind of similar species or comparable species, put them together, and ask folks which ones they prefer. There's no right or wrong answer. The last one I did, Nandrochromatis versus Acanthoscuria geniculata, because I have a lot of folks who are like, what's the deal with these? I do have one I prefer, uh, like I think is prettier than the other, but I love both of them. I don't know if I could pick. One of them is a hobby staple. One of them is not as popular, very well established, but I think has a lot to offer. But it's just kind of a way for people to discuss and kind of point out some of the differences between them. Last video I did was, oh, the rehousing of the Grimasol Pulcropies, I believe, into one of the barbarous growth or reptile growth enclosures. So if you want to check one of those out, that is up there as well. As always, guys, thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll catch you all next week.